0: Welcome to episode number 36 of Talking Mopars. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Hemipages.com. Hemipages is your source for Gen 3 Hemi and Mopar aftermarket related connections and content. Need to find a good tuner shop from a reputable source using a neutralized review system? Hemipages can help you. Are you a Mopar shop who is interested in being listed in the Hemipages directory? Hemipages can help you. No more messing around. If you want Mopar content, Mopar resources, and a general hub for all things Mopar, look no further than Hemipages.com. Even talking Mopars is listed on Hemipages. That's how much I believe in this platform. So after this episode, head on over to Hemipages.com, have a look around, and see what they are doing to organize the Mopar aftermarket. On the show today, we're talking Project Car of the Week, high-performance parts, listener stories, and we're going to introduce a new version of the show that I've been wanting to try for a while now, and that's lining up Mopars against each other for a quick straight-line performance comparison to see who is left in the dust. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. We are back at it here on Talking Moparts, but I'm feeling the pressure, folks. I'm still right smack dab in the middle of this move, and my new podcast studio is a mess. I'm still waiting on a new desk, a new chair, and I have boxes of stuff everywhere. While a bit of a challenge, this move is far from a disaster, thankfully. Hopefully, everything will be in here and done by next week, and I can get back into a good routine. But until then, the show must go on. So, today I want to try a new version of the show, and... You know, it's kind of funny, in a strange turn of events, I'm actually not going to give these episodes a special name so it won't be like high-performance parts or direct connections. We're just going to go ahead and roll with these episodes as they come. And funny enough, it didn't take long for me to decide one of the first cars that I wanted to use in this comparison. Ever since I drove one, i wanted to see what kind of straight-line numbers these new V6 Challengers are putting down and how one would actually fare when pitted against, you know, a Mopar from the past. So today... We are lining up a 2020 Dodge Challenger SXT with a 1970 Dodge Dart Swinger 340. They may be 50 years apart, but how far apart would they be if we lined them up? We're going to find out later on in the show, so there's only one thing left to do. Let's get this show on the road. This week's Project Car of the Week was posted Thursday, June 1st at 3 p.m. Here is the ad. 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner, sell or trade $12,900 in Orwell, Vermont. 1970 Roadrunner, 81,000 original miles, all original paint. Car is all original. Perfect for restoration, runs and drives, basically a solid car. Has the usual Mopar rust, but very solid floors and chassis. Bill of sale, previous registration only. Call Mike anytime on sale. Looking for up or down trades, good projects, or completed cars or trucks. If you have a trade prospect, please send pictures and description and trade in value to me. I will reply, so please no bloated prices. I will reply to all interested or not. Delivery available. Title status is missing. All right, folks, so here we have a low-mile running and driving 70 Roadrunner for $12,900. Maybe I've been conditioned to see too many of these cars overpriced because I see this one, and I think to myself, wow, that's a pretty good deal. The car seems to be in really good shape, all things considered. You know, it's T3 Sahara Tan Metallic over white deck lid stripe with what could possibly be a numbers matching engine and transmission which is a column shifted 727 if the sellers claim of being all original is true it also has a broadcast sheet so that's cool the car needs a little rust repair but I've seen a lot worse for a lot more that didn't even run and drive so I think we're off to a good start here one of the pictures shows the seats and carpet removed and the floors look pretty solid so the trunk could probably be replaced and you know there's at least one quarter panel and rocker panel that needs to be replaced but you and I both know that running and driving b-body projects for reasonable prices are getting harder and harder to come by. The catch of course with this car is that there is no title. It will come with a bill of sale and the previous registration. This could be a problem folks. This bird is listed in Vermont and based on my limited knowledge and research the owner or lien holder of a vehicle registered in Vermont must possess the vehicle's title in order to register, sell, or transfer the vehicle. The caveat is that Vermont doesn't actually title cars older than 15 years old, so that may be the loophole needed to get the paperwork straightened out on this car. But as always, do your due diligence with any vehicle purchase, especially with cars without titles. You don't want to be stuck with a parts car or track car that would have been a great car for the street had you actually been able to get the paperwork in order, get a title, or what have you. But... I think this is a good buy, but I would definitely look into the paperwork aspect of things here just to make sure everything's on the up and up. But that was Project Car of the Week. No Mopar left behind. This week's high-performance part was suggested to me by a listener named Dan and belongs to yet another 1970 Plymouth Barracuda featured in a music video. This time around, we see a 1970 Barracuda featured in Aaron Tippin's country music video for his song called Kiss This. You can see the car by searching for Aaron's music and looking up Kiss This on YouTube. Thanks, Dan, for the suggestion. And if you have a suggestion for high-performance parts, drop me a line at either chris at talkingmoparts.com or tell us about it by leaving a message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. That was High Performance Parts. Today's listener story comes to us from Jacob in North Carolina. Here is Jacob's story.
1: Hey, buddy. Love the show, Chris. Man, I love tuning in every week, brother. You got a good show. Uh, I figured I'd tell you a couple quick little stories. They're real short, and I'll try to convince them as best as I can and maybe give you a little rundown on what I'm working on right now as far as projects. Uh, I've Let's see. Uh, when I first got started with Mopars and first realized I had to love of them, I was probably seven, eight years old. And my dad's buddy ran a shop in uh, High Point, North Carolina, down here where I'm from. I'm from right below High Point, Randolph County. But uh, he ran a shop, and he had a Richard Petty Roadrunner or Charger in there. I, I, I can't forgive me. I can't remember which. It was '71. I know that seventy one B body and the deal was there was three of these cars made for promotional reasons. Richard Petty was supposed to do some uh, commercials or something for some cigarette company or something like that and they had three cars made. And well the deal fell through and for whatever reason they still the cars still existed. Well, after the deal fell through they decided uh, that the cars were to be destroyed, and so they sent them off to the crusher. Well, the junkyard they sent them to, the guy knew good enough what they was, so he decided to keep one of them, put it up in his building and covered it up with a tarp, and then he crushed the other two, and then sent the manifest back to the company saying he crushed all three. Now, some of these details may be accurate, and may not. Keep in mind, I ain't heard about this since I was a little kid. And it, to the best of my knowledge, this is the way it happened. Anyway, whoever ended up with that car that was saved, brought it to my dad's buddy to be worked on. Well, he had it in there. and Me and my dad was up there visiting him one day. And uh, he said, you want to ride in? And I, as a little six, seven, eight-year-old kid, I was like, all right, all right. We got in that thing, and it was a race car, you know. So there was only a driver's seat, so I got in. My dad put me in through the passenger window, and I'm sitting down there on the floor holding on to these roll bars, and he takes me around the building. And this shop is in downtown High Point, so there's other buildings right close adjacent to the shop on three sides with alleys all the way around. He pulls me around there, maybe four or five laps, jamming between first and second year, just getting on it, you know, and I'm having a blast. Anyway, I get out of the car, and uh, I'm shaking. I'm just standing there shaking in the shop, like, man, this thing was awesome. It was fun. What is it? My dad tells me, man, buddy, it's a 71, and forgive me, I can't remember if it was a Charger or a Roadrunner, but it was a 71B body, and uh, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And from there on, my dad takes me to car shows and gets me the Dukes of Hazard on DVD. And I play the Dukes of Hazard video game. I'm all into Mopars, buddy. Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Plymouth, DeSoto. I'm in. Love it. Love everything about it. So from there on, you know, years go by, years go by. I'm old enough to drive. You know, I, got, I get a four-wheel drive jacked up Bronco. Still got it. But I want a Mopar. Itching to get me a Mopar. So I'm looking like man, I can't afford a charger. Like I want like a General Lee, can't afford a Road Runner. Really couldn't afford a Duster or anything like that. So I look at trucks, look at D100s and D150s. So I get me an 85 D100, four on the floor, 318 short bed, regular cab, black with gold stripes. Things hitting on six cylinders. But I didn't know it when I get it. I take it down the road after I've been working on it night after night, after school, taking it down to the local gas station to put gas in. Well, the thing spits and sputters coming up the hill and I run it off into a ditch, trying to get it off the road. I didn't realize how deep the ditch was. Ass in the trucks, hang out in the road, front end trucks down in the ditch. I'm like, oh crap. I gotta call my dad to come pull me out. So I'm standing out by my truck. I see headlights coming, coming up the road. I'm like, oh no. He ain't gonna see my truck, he's gonna hit it. I dive into the truck at the very last second, hit the switch for the hazard lights, and the guy swerves about three feet in front of my truck, go around, and he was in like a Tacoma or something. I almost died that night over a dang dang truck. But uh, that was my first Mopar that I ever had. Maybe I've got plenty of others, and it's amazing I have even this much story to tell. I'm only 22. But right now, I'll tell you about my projects right now. I've got me a 71 duster, gold duster with a Slant 6 I'm working on. got me a 340 I'm putting together to put in it, make a 340 clone out of it. And it's uh, factory Jamaica blue, white top, uh, non-vinyl, just a uh, two-tone white top. And I've got a 68 charger shell I've been collecting parts for to build me maybe a, uh, you know, like a general mayhem type. General Lee car, you know. I really ain't decided what I want yet. I've just been collecting parts of the 68 Charger, trying to build it into something cool. And uh, I also have a wrecked 69 Charger. It's a big project, but has plenty of potential for somebody who possibly knows somebody with a body shop, has a frame machine, and this, that, and the other. It's really ambitious, has a lot of time. Uh, I'd be willing to trade it for like a, a 68, 69, 72 or satellite or a 70-74 Barracuda shell. Uh, man, I other than that, I really ain't got nothing else to say. But uh, I got plenty of other stories, bro, and I, I'd, I'd be glad to call back any time, share them. Love the show, brother. Keep it up. See ya.
0: Hey, Jacob, thanks for sending in your story. I appreciate all my listeners, and I'm just happy that other Mopar enthusiasts are actually enjoying the show. So thanks for listening, buddy. I love hearing stories of people that started being interested in Mopars from a young age. And your Richard Petty car story was crazy. Thank God someone at the wrecking yard was smart enough to save one of those cars. What a crazy story. And what a ride that must have been. But I doubt very many people, if any, have a story about being a kid and getting the opportunity of a lifetime to ride around in a Richard Petty race car. That's a memory and experience that many of us can, you know, only dream of. So... Cherish that memory, that's really cool. And I also thought it was cool that you ended up getting a D100 as your first Mopar. Anyone that knows me knows that I love those Mopar trucks, and it's crazy that you almost died on the road that night. But hey, you didn't, and here you are sharing your story on talking Mopars, so of course, that's cool too. Keep me posted on your other projects too, Jacob. I love A Bodies, and the duster sounds cool, and of course. I always love a cool Charger project. So as you make progress, go ahead and check back in with us and keep us updated. Thanks again to Jacob for sending in his story. And if you have a story that you'd like to share on the show, send it in. You can email them to me at chris at talkingmopars.com or leave me a voice message like Jacob did by dialing 209-28-MOPAR. That was listener stories. When I had the chance to drive a Challenger SXT, I didn't think I was going to have as much fun as I did. Is it fast? No, not really. But that also depends on your idea of fast. Is it slow? No, not really. In my eyes, it's a great daily driver if you want something that's great on fuel and you don't care much about being able to beat the guy next to you on the road or track. And I'm not saying that you can't turn an SXT into, you know, a fast car or at least one that adds a few smiles per gallon to your drives, there are actually turbo and supercharger kits available for these cars that would most certainly wake them up. The good thing about that is that, as far as your insurance company knows, you drive a humble V6 Sport Coupe. You can even get one step up from the SXT and get a GT, which will get you not only all-wheel drive, but a full dose of that all-weather confidence. You can drive in the snow, and you don't have to be quite as careful. The question I pose is this. What classic Mopar could a V6 Challenger compete with? Can it even compete at all? I needed an intriguing opponent for the SXT, one that wouldn't lay down and would actually put up a fight. So I ultimately decided to see how the SXT would fare against one of Mopar's lightweight superstars of 1970, the Dodge Dart Swinger 340. In 1970, the Dodge Dart received a facelift. Unfortunately, with the redesign, it lost its optional big block. That's right. No more M-code or H-code darts. Wait, Chris, H-code darts had 340s. You are correct, but prior to 1970, the H-code actually had several different engine designations. Let me just drop some H-code knowledge on you here. An H-code meant different things in different years. In 1966, H-code was a Hemi. For 67 through 69, H designated a 383. And from 70 to 73, H-codes were 340s, from 78 to 80, H codes were 318s, and in 1983, it was the code for a 225-leaning tower of power. So there you go. Don't tell me you never learn anything on this show, all right? The Dart Swinger 340 was the hottest dart you could get in 1970, and it represented the scat pack very well. A strong little performer the 340s, although small when compared to their big cubed relatives, were high-revving, and they most certainly were no slouches. So how would the potent little 340 hold up to a modern V6 sitting in between the fenders of a modern Challenger? We're about to find out. Let's take a look at some of these numbers. The Dart Swinger 340 produced 275 bhp at 5,000 rpm. That's nearly 50 bhp per liter. It produced 340 pound-feet of torque at 3,200 rpm, and at a sprint from 0 to 60, the Swinger hit 60 in 7.8 seconds and ran the quarter mile in 15.05 seconds at 93 miles an hour. And it was also quite lighter than some of these modern Mopars. The Dart Swinger 340 had a curb weight of 2,834 pounds. Not too bad for a little compact car with a little V8. The question is, in 50 years, how far have V6s come in terms of straight-line performance? Let's take a look at the SXT Challenger's numbers and see how it performs when compared to the Swinger 340. The Challenger SXT's Pentastar 3.6-liter V6 produces a respectable 305 horsepower at 6,350 RPM and 260 pound-feet of torque at 4,800 RPM. With these numbers, the SXT can run 0-60 to in 6.3 seconds and turn the quarter mile in 14.8 seconds at 96 miles an hour. It's also quite a bit heftier than the Swinger 2 by over a 1,000 pounds, weighing in at 3,858 pounds. So our winner today is the Challenger SXT. While no comparison to its V8 siblings, the RTs, the Scat Packs, the 1320s, the Hellcats, the Hellcat Red Eyes, and the Demons, it would definitely make a great daily driver that sips gas in comparison to those gas guzzlers. It just goes to show you how far technology has come in 50 years. We now have V6s producing over 300 horsepower that can at least keep up with, and in some cases, actually outperform some of the muscle cars from years past. I'm actually a fan of the SXT, and I would never knock anyone for owning one. They are good cars, and... You know, they're reasonably affordable. As for the beloved Dart Swinger 340, it put in a good effort, and with the right tuning and modifications, this would have been a different outcome, I promise you. It's also 50 years old. Bottom line is that I love the 340s, and this little comparison should no way be looked at as a knock on either car. It's just a simple competition amongst relatives, that's all. And let's be honest, they're both still cool cars, so no real loser here. I'll tell you what, though. This comparison really made me want to see what some forced induction could do To actually motivate that SXT's V6. If anybody out there has woken up one of these V6s, get at me. I want to hear the story. I want to hear how much power it produces. I want to hear what it runs in the quarter mile. So reach out to me and let me know. All right. So the Challenger SXT walks away with this victory today, but who knows? Maybe the 70 Dart Swinger 340 will be back again in the future to face some other competition. That's all, folks. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar-addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voice mailbox at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Also, don't forget that if you like what we do here on Talking Mopars and you'd like to help support the show, you can help me by visiting the Talking Mopars merch shop. You can purchase cool things like T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more with more designs on the way. Ordering from the merch shop is a great way to help the show and get something cool in return. So just follow the link in the show notes or episode description, or you can also just go to TalkingMopars.com. And hey... Don't forget to visit my friends over at Hemipages.com, like their page, add it to your favorites, add it to your home screen, because Hemipages is one resource that a Mopar enthusiast should not live without. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember... No Mopar left behind. Thank you to my friends at Hemipages.com, ReadyChassis.shop, and DIYHemi.com.